Gitin daf pei dalad amudalef. I just can't. Al menat shetochli basar chazir. The shir is sponsored by Reb Shmuel Saitovitz. Thank you, Reb Shmuel, in honor of the beautiful wedding on Sunday night of uh, Gabi to Yuval. Um, and uh, and Reb Shmuel, the way you spoke to your son before he signed the ksuba was so unbelievably moving. And part of what Reb Shmuel said when he spoke to his son at that moment, the, how he chose to use those few moments, was to talk, among other things, about what the Matmonim has done for him uh, and how not only has it changed his learning of Dafyomi, which he's been doing for almost two decades already, um, and, and he used to do it as one does, one learns the Dafyomi because you learn the Dafyomi, and, and since then this has just opened his eyes to what the Gomorrah is and to realize that under each line there's a precious nugget of, of life wisdom that we just gloss over and we don't realize what, what there is and, under each line. Uh, and that, that's changed the way he learns uh, Gomorrah, the way he understands the Dafyomi every day. But more than that, it's changed his life. It's amplified things that he's already known and given it context and it's... Um, uh, and it's taught him insights and ways of life and aspects and an angle to life uh, that he wouldn't otherwise have had. So appreciate your daily participation when you're in the country. And I know that you're participating when you're outside of the country. Uh, and you should know that your sponsorship, and I've been gratified by the response we've had from people around the world since I pointed out that this, this costs something every single day to get the sheer out to... The people around the world in, a, in different, on different platforms, in formats that's easy to listen with quality sound and quality video, that costs money. Every single day we have to pay for that. Um, and, and your sponsorship helps. We have, Baruch Hashem, at the moment, over 500 regular participants of the Shia. Uh, every single day, over 500 people on different platforms are, are listening to the Madmoni and participating. We've got... Rabonim, and we've got Magide Shir who are using it to enhance the Torah that they're learning. We've got ordinary people, men, women uh, from, from around the world. So your sponsorship helps us make that possible, and we certainly appreciate everybody's presence. I would say the, the 500 people out there are indebted to the people who are sitting here every morning uh, because you, you give it life, uh, and, and you certainly make it, make it possible. What we're looking at today, and we'll see today also how the matmonim, in addition to each matmon being a standalone, each matmon is also a stroke of paint on a canvas that is being built up over the years of, of a consistent overarching worldview where the different, the different shirim are all interconnected and you're building a worldview. And that's why it's so important to have a masura, to, to learn and teach and practice Torah according to a tradition. Otherwise, it's a hodgepodge. A little bit of this and a little bit of that, and it doesn't fit together. To be able to have a, an integrated worldview develop, a Torah worldview that is integrated, that is according to a Messiah, and it's not important which Messiah it is, as long as it's a, an authentic Messiah that, that over the generations has developed and has built and has grown and, and, and is consistent. And we'll, and we'll see an example of that today. We learn in, in the Gemara. What we're going to be having a look at, really, is when it comes to, to Torah observance, is that a moral choice each time? Uh, do you get credit because you didn't murder somebody each day? 
Do you get credit because you didn't steal from the bank each day? Did you get, do you get credit because you didn't uh, make a false oath every day? Surely not. So why would you get credit because you kept Shabbos and you didn't break Shabbos? Because you didn't eat tray if you ate kosher? Why would we, why would we get credit for that? The Rambam deals with that in the sixth parak of Shmone Prokim, of his eight essays of introduction to Birke Avot. But today we'll see where it comes out in the, in the Gemara and understand it in quite a unique way. The Gemara talks about a case where a man says, here's a get, don't forget, we're talking about getting that are given conditionally. So a man gives a, a woman a get and he says, this is your get, but you've got to do something in order for this get to be activated. I know you've wanted out of this marriage for a long time, so you're very lucky. I've woken up this morning determined to give you the out. I'm going to give you your freedom. And we've discussed in the Matmonim that there is an element of gift in, in, in Gitin. Benatan biyada, it's a matana. You're giving her a gift of ptur, as Unclus translates, get kritut. I'm freeing you. But there's a condition. Before you get your freedom, don't get all excited. There's a condition. You've got to get to the moon. If you get to the moon, the get is activated. If you don't make it to the moon, I'm sorry. Not my problem. You didn't fulfill the condition. Says the, says the Gemara, ain't no get. That, that's not a get. Rabbi Yudah ben Taymor, America, they get. Rabbi Yudah ben Taymor says, this is a get. Klalom Rabbi Yudah ben Taymor, kol t'nai shi'i efshar lo l'kaimo besofo, of course, this is a get. What does he mean you must go to the moon? He's just trying to make her life miserable. He's just teasing her. It's not serious. You don't say a thing like that serious. You don't create an impossible condition and you're serious about it. So we ignore the condition and the get's a good, a good, a good get. That's the halacha, that we ignore the, in, the absurd condition and the get is a proper get. The learns it from the Mishnah. Um, an intriguing question. Okay, so if I say on condition you go to the moon, we ignore that, that condition, we strike it out, it's absurd. What happens if I say, this is your get, my darling, you've wanted a get for many years, I'm giving you a get today. The condition is, you come out with me to a tray for a restaurant this evening, and we're going to have a delicious meal of pork. If you eat pork tonight, this is the get. If you don't, no get. It's up to you. Omar Abaya, he he says that's the very case we're talking about. That um, it's an it's an absurd condition, and you strike it out. It's the same as go to go to the moon. Of course, she's not going to eat eat treif. No, she could say. I will eat pork. If that's what it takes, I'll eat pork. Pork, it's an issue, and I'm going to get malchus for it. I'm going to be punished in Bezin for it. I'm willing to take the punishment in order to get the get. She has the freedom to make the choice. So this is not an absurd condition like going to the moon. This is an obje- a condition which she can choose to fulfill or not to fulfill. So I understand Rava in a sense. It, it's a choice. Abaya says it's not a choice. What, is that, what does that really mean? Now you'll remember, here's an example of where I'm saying the matmonim all, all fit together as one in addition to each one being a standalone. Back on Daf Bay's on Madalif, where we spoke about um, about a machlikis abaya verova. 
might not have been back on base on Medalif, I need to I need to check it. Where we spoke about the Machlikes, Abaya and Rove. And, and we discussed the facts. So I think it's Daf Memches and Daf Memtes that we spoke about on Daf Memches and Daf Memtes. And we said uh, Abai and Rova disagree with each other 428 times in Shas. So there are different worldviews on an important construction of, of the Talmud. And we discussed the view of, of Rav Kuk and Ayan Aya, where Rav Kuk explains, based on the Gemara in, in Brochus, where the Gemara says there that Rabba, who was the Rebbe of both Rava and Abaya, asked the two little boys, Rabba and, Ab- and Rava and Abaya, were two little were little boys at the time, and he said to them, uh, "Who do we make a bracha to?" And they said, "Hashem." And he said, "Where's Hashem?" And Rava pointed upwards, and Abaya ran outside. You remember, Abaya ran outside outdoors, and he pointed up to the sky. And Rabba said, "You're both going to become great rabbonim." And Rav Kook says the difference between Rova pointing up to the sky and Abaya going outside is their whole worldview that you could see already in their childhood. That Rova takes things as they are. Hashem is up there, that's it, that's all you need to know. Abaya thinks cosmically. He goes outside, he says, look at the universe. There's Hashem. All over, wherever you look is Hashem. Rova says, Rav says he's up there, you don't need to know any more than that. Rova is... Is, is like the, the, the briska derech. What is it? You say it as it is, you understand the text, you understand the halacha, and that's the end of the story. Abaya thinks in a much more conceptual way, in a cosmic way, in a, in a quasi-Kabbalistic way, in order to understand the halacha. Now, if we take Abaya and Rova as those two worldviews, how does it translate here into their dif- difference of opinion as to whether when a man says, yes, you get on condition, you eat chazer, is this a valid get or isn't it? How does Abai and Rava fit into that? Well, that depends on how they understand a statement of Rabbi Loza ben Azariah, the Rambam quotes it in the name of Rabbi Shumim ben Gamliel, that we have in the Sifra in Parshas Kedoshim, where Rabbi Loza ben Azariah says, a person shouldn't say, A person shouldn't say, Chazer, I hate it. Kilayim, terrible thing. I, I, I couldn't possibly wear Kilayim. I could do all these things. But the Rebbeinu told me I can't. He says, Rova, just look at the words. It says, you've got to say, I could do it, but I won't. So if he says, the condition is you go to the moon, that's Efshi, it's not possible, so we strike it out. But if he says the condition is that you eat chazer, Rabbi Loza ben Azariah says quite clearly we should be able to say, Efshi, I could eat chazer. I just choose not to. Because the Rebbeinu told me not to. And therefore, Rovid, taking things simply as they're stated, says it's quite clear from the memory of Rabbi Loza ben Azariah in the, in the Sifra that we are free to make our choices. And, uh, and, and therefore, the condition applies. If she wants to get, she's got to eat chazer. Uh, of course, she's a religious woman. She's a woman of faith, and 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 she believes in the Torah. She's not going to. She's rather going to live with this miserable husband for the rest of her life. They need chaza, but that's her choice. The um, Abaya says no. Abaya says yes. It says he, a person should say if she, but I choose not to. What does that mean? So you remember in also back in an earlier matman, this, this one I think was on Daf Mem Ches and Daf Mem Tes, when I spoke about the two worlds that we live in, 
and that we live in a world governed by physical law, by the laws of nature, and we live in a world governed by chukim, by the laws of the Rebbeinu Shalom. Says Abaya, the laws of the Rebbeinu Shalom are as absolute as the laws of physics. Just as if I said to you, on condition you jump off the top of the Empire State Building, you can have a get. Well, we all know if you stop off the, jump off the top of the Empire State Building, you're not going to survive. There's a law of gravity. In the same way, if you eat chaza, your neshama isn't going to survive either. And it's as restrictive, as practically restrictive for a ben Torah, for somebody who lives in the Torah world, to do an avera is as absurd as defying the laws of, of physics. Just as defying the laws of physics is not a choice, I don't choose not to jump into a fire. I don't choose not to put my hand onto the hot plate. It's not a choice. I know what the laws are. I know, I know the consequences. In the same way, I know the consequences of eating chaza. They're no less serious than putting my hand on the hot plate. They're no less serious than jumping off the building in terms of my neshama. So it says, Abaya, if you think cosmically, if you think mystically, if you think philosophically, there's no difference between asking the person to do something impossible and asking the person to commit an avera. For a person who lives in the world of Torah, committing an avera is something impossible that goes against his grain. And so what does it mean when the, when the, the, the Chazal says, you've got to say, Efshi, I could, yes, my body could, but my soul could not. If I were just a body, if I was a non-Jewish person who was living in the physical world, governed by the laws of physics and chemistry, then I could eat chaza because from a perspective of physics and chemistry, chaza meat is no different to any other meat. There's no reason why I wouldn't eat it. But if I'm a ben Torah and I understand the spiritual meaning of an avera and the danger to the soul of an avera, it's as impossible for me to do as it is for me to break any kind of physical law. That's the view of Abaya. And we paskin like, like Rova. Interesting. We paskin like Rova that it is a choice. And the Rambam explains in Shmone Prokim that there are different types of Averot. There are Averot which, which we should have no intention, there's no choice about it. In other words, if we had a moral conflict about should I murder or shouldn't I murder? Should I steal or shouldn't I steal? That, that, that's, that, that's not a, a, a Torah personality. Those are things we should have no desire to do. Those are the mitzvot sikhliyot. There are mitzvot which you don't need the Torah to tell you. It's, it's humanly indecent. And therefore, it's something that you'd have no desire to do. But when it comes to chukim, when it comes to eating chaza or wearing shatnes, that's a matter of a chok. That's something which isn't a mitzvah sikhliyot. And therefore, I could say, yes, I would like to eat it, but I can't. What can I do? The Torah forbids me. The Torah prevents me from doing that. Uh, and on the contrary, not only is one allowed to have that view, but the Ramam says in Shemone Prokim, that's the higher thing. It's greater to be able to say, I wish I could have a trafe steak. I just walked past that restaurant and they were making, so they were grilling steaks and the smell was amazing. And I wish I could have one, but I can't. That's a higher level than saying, yeah, I would never eat a trafe steak. So says the Rambam, you divide it into two separate mitzvahs. We, we do, we paskin like Rova. So what does Rova say? Each time it's a choice. It's a choice when we're talking about mitzvot chukiyot. When we're talking about mitzvot, which are, are laws of, of uh, spiritual laws that Hashem has implied, there we could, there's nothing absurd, there's nothing corrupt about a person who would like to eat a trafe steak. There's nothing corrupt about a person who would like to have an illicit relationship. 
There's something corrupt about a person who wants to be unfaithful. There's something corrupt about a person who wants to kill or to steal or to rob. That would be something corrupt. And so the Rambam divides those, those mitzvahs into those two areas. It's interesting that um, the, uh, the Ayelet HaShachar says that the, you see from here that even if he imposes a condition that implies uh, pain and suffering, it's still a choice. You, you, you could choose to endure the suffering. It's not absurd. It's not impossible. It's not like going to the moon. Because even if she's going to get Malchus for it, even if she's going to get punished, says, says Rava, she can make that choice. People can make, that, people can make the choice even if it's uncomfortable. The fact that something's uncomfortable doesn't mean it's not a choice. Each one of us makes a choice every time we choose what to do and what not to do. We are responsible for our choices. We are rewarded in every way for the good choices we may make. We have negative consequences in every way for the bad choices that we make. And whether or not there, there's physical pain involved in the, in the choices, even in the good choices we make, they're still good choices. We make the choice because it's, it's the right thing to do. So is Torah observance a moral choice or an irrefutable necessity? It depends in what area. In the area of the chukim, in those laws of statutes that are not laws that we would reason ourselves even without the Torah, that's a, that's a choice. It's, a, it's not an irrefutable necessity. We make the choice every time to be Mekayim the Ratzon Hashem, to fulfill the will of Hashem. And that's our avoider, that's our service of God. But when it comes to immoral practices, that's something that should be an irrefutable necessity. We would never think of doing it. It's something impossible for us to do. That's the highest level of Hasidut that the Rambam defines in the sixth chapter of the Shmaneh Prakim. <laughs>